Uh, I'm excited. I really am. Um, God's put a message on my heart. If you've done any type of cooking in the kitchen, my dad always told me never, never trust a skinny chef. All right. And uh, so when you're when you're doing some cooking, you have a chance to eat while you're cooking. And uh, I've been doing some cooking in, in, the, in the realm of preaching and teaching and, and my own personal studies. So this message is something that God just really put on my heart, and it gave us a good opportunity to, uh, to preach it tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the title of the message, and we're going to get to our text. If you want to just turn to uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 12, in just a moment here, we're going to read a couple of verses. That's not going to be our text, but it'll kind of give us a, a launch pad here to, to start with. Here. The title of our message is, We Are People of Faith. We are people of faith. To live in any other way goes against our nature. Now listen to that again. We are people of faith. To live any other way, it goes against our nature. The Bible says, and we got saved, we became a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. John chapter 3, Jesus talked about being born again. We have a, a new spirit. We have the spirit of God dwelling in us. And we are, listen, we are people of faith. If I was a charismatic preacher, I'd tell you to look to your neighbor and say, we are people of faith. But I won't do that. I won't do that. So hold on. Don't do that. But we are. Listen, we are people of faith. To, to act in any other way, to live any other way, it goes against our nature. It's a matter of fact. We could say it like this. If you're a Buckeyes fan, you probably root for two teams. The Ohio State Buckeyes and anyone who's playing that team to the north. It's just a matter of fact. That's just how it works. Um, growing up and driving around small towns, many times you'll see uh, street signs, and you'll see Church Street or School Street. Well, at some point, maybe not that time now, but at some point there was probably a church on that street, and so when the city founders were sitting around coming up with names, they said, well, let's call it Church Street. Matter of fact, it's pretty simple. It's kind of obvious, really. I grew up in a town of 600 in central Illinois. We had three towns, excuse me, three, three streets, literally three streets, and there was one house per street. So it wasn't like one house on this side and then the backyard with a neighbor. No, no, you had one house on the whole street. It was a small town, about 600, a little small uh, farming town. We had three streets, and the name of the first one was Railroad Street. Now, can you imagine why they called it Railroad Street? Well, there was a railroad that went right through our town. Now, this is good. The, the next street was called First Street. Any guesses on the third street? It was called Second Street. It was railroad. It's just, listen, some things are just kind of obvious. You say, well, you're being silly. No, no. I'm just saying some things are just kind of obvious, and they just, they just kind of, it's glaring. It's right in our face. It just makes sense. Listen, we are people of faith. To live any other way, it goes against, it goes against our nature. I want to read a couple of verses about faith and kind of whet your appetite a little bit in, in, in this idea of faith. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews eleven six. and our, many of our adult Bible studies, uh, adult Bible fellowships, we've read through, we just studied through this verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It gives the idea that there's no other way to please God than through faith. Amen. Romans 14, 23 says, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
There's uh, a phrase that's used multiple times. The just shall live by faith. We find it first in Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. The just shall live by faith. Who, who are these just? Those who have called upon Christ as their Savior. Those who recognize that w- without Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm done in my sins and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doomed to a place called hell. And because of Christ, I'm going to accept his forgiveness. And call upon him, repent of my sins, and trust him as my Savior. That's what it means to be a person of faith. Jesus would say this. The disciples, uh, they, uh, some people had brought some children to Jesus. And the disciples kind of run them off. And Jesus said this. But in Luke chapter 18, Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. So we are people of faith. It's childlike faith. It's simple faith. It really is. And, and, we, and we look at the word of God and we say, okay, God has given us his word for what reason? Well, to reveal himself to us so that we can have a relationship with him and that we might know how to, uh, to have a proper relationship with our fellow man. And this is all, this is all carried throughout the, the theme of scripture. And uh, in my personal studies and teaching, I had the great privilege to, to preach to the children of the, of the Heritage Christian School through uh, first and uh, second grade chapel every week, and then third through sixth grade every other week. I absolutely love it. I look forward to it. It's a thrill. It's a highlight of my week to be able to preach to them. And we're preaching through the life of Saul and, 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 and David now. And, and God has shown me a couple of things here that I feel that could be a great encouragement and a, and a great help to us as well. He's, he's given us his word. Scripture records some amazing stories, if you think about it. For someone that says the Bible is boring, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Bible you're reading. Because when I read this Bible, it's, it's, it's not boring. Now, there's some pages that it take, it, you need an extra cup of coffee, I make maybe, to get through. But, I, but this, this, this is an amazing story. And God doesn't hide anything back from, from the life of Saul. It's, it, it, it's in high definition. It's on full display. We can see everything that Saul did. And sometimes I'm amazed by that. And you wonder, well, why is it that God would uh, show us this? Now, I want you to look with me in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 12, in, uh, in verse number 20 and down through verse number 25. If we read, if we go back and read 8 through 10, we won't do that. But you know the nation of Israel has had this, this uh, unquenchable desire to, to have a king. And uh, they're, they're, they're relentless about it. They, 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 they want to have a king. They want to be like all the other nations. And, and they come to Samuel. Samuel makes us a king. God, Samuel goes to God. God says, all right, Samuel, tell them they can have a king. But if they, they have a king, this is what's going to happen. He's going to take their sons, and his sons are going to have to fight in his armies and take their daughters. Their daughters have to work in his palace. He's going to tax their land. He's going to he, eventually, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to afford the taxes, and they'll end up just serving him anyway. They really don't want a king. I'm their king. I'm their, their God. And they said, no, no, we want a king. And so, the, you know, through 8 through 10, uh, you know, Saul, Saul comes up and, and God, God chooses, chooses Saul to be the king. Listen, listen to Samuel's uh, uh, remarks to them in chapter 12 and verse number 20. I think, I think as I read through the entire life of Saul and coming back to it, I think this is the reason why God reveals so much about Saul. In verse number 20, and Samuel said unto the people, fear not. Ye have all done this wickedness, this, this turning from God and desiring a king. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then ye should go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. 
For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Now watch this in verse 24 and 25. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. Consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. As I'm studying this, I, I came back to that passage, and that, I think that's the, that's the reason why God gives us so much detail about the life of Saul. To prove to us that his word is true. To prove to us when God says something, he means it. And it's, and it, and it, and it's unfolded, and we see all the details in the life of Saul. Within a year, within a year of Saul being king, you're right there, look at chapter 13, verse number 13. Within a year, Saul messes up, Saul sins, and Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for, thou would, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not... Continue, the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. Now we're introduced to David. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast kept, has not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. If we go on in chapter 16, look with me in verse number 12. You know that David is anointed king. You remember the story, how all that fell out. Uh, uh, Samuel went and called all Jesse's boys and uh, God didn't reveal uh, any of them. He said, was there anyone left? And so, oh yeah, we got the, the youngest of the litter. He's, he's out there and he's watching the sheep. Look at verse 12. And he sent and brought him in. Talking about David here. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Who he? He who had a heart after God, a man after God's own heart. He who would be the next king of Israel. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. We see here uh, the beginning of, of, of David's ministry. And, and God is going to set some things in order to, to establish a kingdom with David. You know the story. The next chapter, David goes and he, he slays Goliath. And he stands, and uh, uh, Saul then takes him back, and uh, he goes, and he's in Saul's palace. He would, he would play his harp every time an evil spirit came upon Saul. And uh, Saul would put him up as a, as a commander in his army, and, and he had, God gave him great victory. And the people would come back, and they would sing David's praises. And, and Saul would sit back, and he would just get angry and bitter and envious when he would hear then how Saul had killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And, and these, these sins of the heart began to well up, so much so that Saul tries to kill David up to three times. He tries to kill David. Even going to the point of killing his own son, Jonathan. And you know, during that time, Jonathan and David, they formed this wonderful friendship. Well, in chapter 20, if you could turn there, in chapter 20, David's really concerned about this thing, and Jonathan comes up with a plan to kind of figure out if, it's, if, if, if this is as dire really as it, as it, as it is, as, as it appears to be. And uh, at the end of chapter, uh, chapter 20, after they've, they've made up this, this uh, they've come to the conclusion, David, it's not safe for you to stay here. You need to leave. Look at verse number 40. I'm sorry, 42. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as ye have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, that's capital L, capital O-R-D, that's, that's Jehovah. 
saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between me and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. As we get to our text in chapter 21, we, we see what I, what, I, what I think to be probably one of the, one of the darkest days in, in, in David's life. Some may say, well, what about the sin with Bathsheba? Wasn't that a pretty dark time? Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a very dark time. The Bible says that the sword would never leave David's, David's house because of that sin. Well, what about the sin in 2 Samuel 24 where, where David numbered the people? And God's judgment, I, I believe upwards of 70,000 people died that day. Yep, yep, very dark day in the life of David. I, I think many times this, one, this one's overlooked. I, I want you to read with me in chapter 21. The Bible says, then David, not really knowing what to do, not really knowing where to go. Um, in the past, when he was running from Saul, uh, he, went, he, he went to Samuel, and Samuel was a great help to him. He's not really sure what he should be doing here. Look at verse number one. Then, David, uh, then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said to him, why art thou alone? And no man with thee. You're a commander in Saul's army. Where's, where's your garrison of men? Where's, where's the people that are with you? The men that you lead. You're a leader in the army. This isn't right. Something is off here. And he's a little bit concerned about it. And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, is that true? Did, did Saul really send David on, on, this, on this journey, on this business? No, no, we know that's not true. You see, the title of our message is that we are people of faith. To live in any other way is, is, goes against our nature. David, you're a man of faith. Why, why are you lying to the priest? What, what, what are you doing here? In verse number three, now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread. In mine hand, or, um, or what is there present? And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves, at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner of common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. In essence, David said, It's all good. Just give us some bread. We need some bread. Matter of fact, Jesus would, would, would commend this. And, and in the New Testament, Jesus would talk about this and how Christ was made for the Sabbath and not, not the Sabbath for Christ. Amen. Now look at verse number 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, and there was no bread there uh, but the shoe bread that was taken from before the Lord to put, uh, to put hot bread in the, in the day that when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said to Halimelech, Is there not yet here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Again, another lie from David. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. Look at verse number 10. As David continues on, he's already lied to the people of God. And now he's getting ready to, to lie to, to the people of the world. And David arose, in verse 10, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? 
Did they not sing one to another hymn and dances, saying, Saul have slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he, oh, this is so sad. He changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his, let his spittle fall down upon his head. I, put, I wrote in my margin of my Bible here, what about his men? David, you're, you're a man of faith and you're leading men and they see you. They, they hear your lies to Ahimelech and, and now they see you uh, being fake and phony in, in front of this man, uh, acting like a coward. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of mad men that ye have brought this fellow to play the mad man in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? We see here in David's life that David responds with fear instead of faith. He, he, he uses falsehood. He uses pretense. He, he, he disguises things and he, he lies and, and, and he manipulates the situation. You say, well, what, what, what's the big deal? Why, why does it matter that David, I mean, he was under pressure. His life was at risk and who knows what you would have done. I, you're right. I don't know what I would have done. And, and we really don't know what would have happened if David would have told the truth. We'll never know because he didn't tell the truth. Because he lied. And I remind you that we are people of faith. Amen. To live in any other way goes against our nature. It does. This is, this is, this is David, the man after God's own heart. This is David, the, the, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Oh, if we could just be there, we could say, David, what are you doing? David, this, this, this isn't like you. Cut it out. Don't do this. This is, this, this, is, this is not becoming of you. This is not becoming of a king. This is not becoming of a man of faith. What are you doing, David? As a matter of fact, we look in this and as, as, if, as, if, as if the Holy Spirit of God was there and he was just echoing the same questions that you and I just had. Can you imagine when David walked in? God, God gave him some reminders. Oh, come on. You know what reminders are. You're driving too fast on the expressway and you see a little car with little lights on top way out there. You know that's a reminder. You need to slow down. Those are reminders. Some of you have reminders in your calendar to remind you to pay a bill, to remind you to pick up the kids. I don't know. But we have reminders to do these things. And, and, and it's, it's like as if, as if God's trying to get his attention. Hey, listen, David, you're at the right place. You've come to the right conclusion. You don't know what to do and you've come to the priest. And that priest is, is a picture of God's promises. It's a picture of God's, God's presence in the life of David. That should, that should have been his very first thing. When, that, when, when Ahimelech came out and, and he saw his, 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 his priestly garment, something should have clicked inside him. Something should have clicked and said, I'm not, I'm not going to carry through with this lie. I, I can't. Because there's a God in heaven. There's a God who loves me. There's a God who's promised his presence. There's a God that will not forsake me, will not leave me. You see, the priest, the priest was a, a reminder of God's presence and God's promises, but David didn't see that reminder. He, he asked for some bread, and, and, and he gets some, some, some bread, and that, that's, I, I think that's a reminder of God's provision, that God will provide for you, that, that God, God will take care of you, he will sustain you, he will even take care of your material needs. David, he'll do that for you. At that very moment, at that very moment, the light could have, should have clicked, and David said, what am I doing? Why, why am I carrying on with this lie? Why, what, 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 am I, what, am I, what was I thinking? No, no, Ahimelech, God didn't, uh, Saul didn't send me on, on business. 
I really don't know what to do. Saul wants to kill me. And I'm just trying to obey God. I'm just trying to, I don't know what to do. Where's Samuel? I need, I need some help from God today. That's what he should have done. You see, we are people of faith. To live in any other way goes against our nature. God gave him a reminder with the priest of God's presence and God's promises. He gave him a reminder with the bread of God's provision. But I, this, is, this, is the most, this is the most shocking one. He gives him a reminder of God's power. He said, is there a sword or a spear? And Ahimelech said, well, yeah. I got this old sword over here. I think you, I think you might remember it. It was a day a little shepherd boy cut off the head of a giant. It's right over there, David. It's a pretty good one. It's the only one I got. Something should have stirred his heart. Something should have said, oh, that's the God that I know. Oh, that's the God that I love. The God that took me from the side of the the fields of watching my daddy's sheep. The God that anointed me as the king. The God who gave me a great victory over Goliath. A God who, 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 who did something for his people on that day. Not just for David. It was for the nation of Israel. David could have looked at that sword. He said, oh, all those memories come flashing back of God's goodness and God's power and God's provision, God's presence and God's promises. But he overlooked him. He just blew right through him. You're right there in 1 Samuel. Turn, turn over to chapter 17. I can't, I, I can't overlook this. For sake of time, I wanted to, but I can't. I can't. Look at, look at chapter 17. This is the same David. Look at verse number 30, uh, 33. Saul begins to question David. You're too small. You can't do this. And David said, thou art, uh, uh, verse number uh, 34, excuse me. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion, a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said, David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Where's that David? Where's that David? See, we have many conversations with people and they're struggling and, 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 th- and, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to belittle those things at all. I think we need to encourage and counsel and, and, and go to the Bible and look for answers for these things. But it, it's the same faith that saved you is the same faith that will sustain you. The David, where's that David of, 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 of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17? Remember David's remarks to, the, to Goliath, verse 45. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. David, what happened to you? Why, why are you not calling the name of the Lord of hosts now? Why, why are you lying to Ahimelech? Why, why, why are you behaving like a fool? Why, why are you acting like a coward in front of your men and you're not leading men? He goes on to say, verse number 46, The name of this day will the Lord deliver me into thine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from, from thee, and I will give thy carcass unto the host of the Philistines this day under the fowl of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. David, you're a man of faith, and you're not behaving like a man of faith. 
You're not behaving in such a way that the people will know there's a God in Israel. Have you forgotten? And God sends these little reminders along his way. The priest, the bread, the sword, and he doesn't see it. He said, what's the big deal? He lied. Well, because that's not the end of the story. Turn over to chapter 22. I don't know. Um, I, I think maybe Saul kind of figured that David was going to go back to Ramah and look for Samuel. Because that's where, that's where Saul's hanging out here. Look at verse 6. When Saul heard that David was discovered and men that were with him. Now again, I'm not, listen, I'm not belittling David's situation. I'm aware that Saul wants to kill him. I know that. I'm aware that Saul has uh, maybe two, maybe, maybe 3,000 men. I'm aware of that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not belittling that at all. Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him. Now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse get of every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? That all you may have conspired against me, there's none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, and there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as is this day. Remember that Edomite that we, that we read about? Verse 9, here he is. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, to the son of Ahitab. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and he gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistines. Then the king sent to Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitab, and to all of his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came, all of them, to the king. And Saul said, Hear now there, son of Ahitab. And he answered, Hear my Lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, that the son, uh, uh, thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him? You see, it's amazing how that lying just continues. David lies, now Doeg lies. And Saul believes it, inquired the Lord for him, and that he should rise up against me to lie in wait, as it is this day. Then Ahimelech answered. Now watch this. This is a light for Saul. This is a reminder for Saul. This is God trying to get Saul's attention. Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and, and uh, is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire the God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto, him, unto uh, his servant nor to all his house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand is also, also is with David, and because they knew when he fled, they did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. Eighty-five priests were killed that day. But it doesn't stop there. 
And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and suckling, oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. And one of the sons of Himelech, the son of Ahitab, uh, named uh, Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar showed David. I'm intrigued by that. I really don't know what it means. He showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. I don't know. Did he have... What did he show him? The Bible doesn't tell us. He, you don't understand the difference between telling and showing. I can tell you I can make a three-pointer, but I'll show you. Maybe. One out of three. All right, one out of five. He showed him. What did he show him? He showed proof of a slaughter. David. David said unto Abiathar, I, I knew it that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul. Watch this. And I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not. For he that seeketh my life, seeketh thy life. But with me, thou shalt be in safeguard. By his own admission, David says, I've caused this. That word occasioned, it means, uh, find the way. It means here, uh, caused incidentally, Produced. In, uh, in the Strong's Concordance, it, it gives the idea to revolve or surround. In essence, what David's saying is, my, my, my fingerprints are all over this. This tragedy would not have happened if I would have been a person of faith and behaved and, and lived like a person of faith. Amen. By his own admission, David did not live as a person of faith. He occasioned the death of 85 men that they wear linen cloth. We're not, we're not told how many more in the city of Nob. We're just told they destroyed everybody. Instead of responding in fear, I submit to you today that he should have responded in faith. He looked past all the reminders of his faith and continued down the wrong path. He behaved falsely with the people of God. He was, he was fake with the people of the world. I remind you tonight that we are people of faith. To live in any other way, it goes against our nature. There's another story. We're going to finish this. Look at Psalm, uh, 1 Samuel 25. David continues to run from Saul. And you know, this, this back and forth goes on. Uh, cat and mouse game goes on for quite some time. There's a story I'm going to look at here. That There's a time that, that David is, is ready to kill the innocent with the wicked. Uh, you know the story there um, with Abigail and uh, her husband Nabal. He's a wicked man, the son of Belial. And uh, makes some obscene gestures towards David's way. And David, in essence, says, okay, man, let's go. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill them all. Abigail hears word of it, and, and she comes. She comes before him. I want you to see this in verse number 24. Verse number 24, she fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young man of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath beholden from thee coming to shed blood, and for avenging thyself with thine own hand, 
Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it be even given unto this young man that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the, trans- uh, the trespass of thine handmaid. For the Lord will surely make thy Lord a sure house, because my Lord findeth, fighteth the battles of the Lord, and the evil hath had not been found in thee all thy days. You see, <clears throat> from time to time, God will give us not just a reminder, a coincidental reminder, he'll send people in our way. He'll send someone in our way to remind us. Abigail is pleading with David. David, this is not like you. This is not like your nature. You're a man of God. It's not like you to kill the innocent with the wicked. This goes against everything you stand for, David. You're a person of faith. To live any other way goes against your nature. And David acquiesces. By the grace of God, it's spared. We could say, we could say like this, Abigail occasioned the saving of lives when she interceded with David. She caused lives to be saved. I wonder tonight if you and I, if you and I need some visual reminders of the goodness of God in our life. Here recently, just uh, yesterday morning, I was praying for my boys and thinking about them. And, and um, you know, we kind of, I grew up in, in a little bit uh, different house, I guess, but um, Oh, Amanda and I were talking the other night, and it's time for the boys to pay their car insurance. It comes out on the 12th of every month, and they just got to send the money to us. And we send them a nice, gentle reminder, pay your car insurance. And she's sitting on the couch, and she says, uh, I feel bad for them. I said, I don't. <laughs> they don't have any money. Too bad. They got to have to pay the car insurance. I got to thinking, I was down on my knees. And I got to thinking, God... Be good to them. Be good to them the way you've been good to me. Lord, don't, don't catch them doing something wrong. God, just be good to them so they won't do something wrong. God, just begin to break my heart. And I look back at my life and all the dumb, foolish things I've done and the good things of God and how God's been so good and how there's so many reminders that God puts into my life. I want to I show you this. I, I think it'll help. I need you to be patient with me. I'm going to call some names, and many of you are going to be mad that I'm calling your name. I know it. Because we have a lot of faithful people that are humble. They don't like accolades. But I want you to hear me. Hear my heart. This isn't about you. I'm not going to ask you to say anything, give a speech. I'm not trying to lift you up. I need your help to, to, to paint a picture for us tonight, for our church family. I'm going to invite my daughter, Callie, to come up here. Now, the only reason I invite her is because her face gets the reddest in our family. (laughs) I'm kidding. She's the youngest. We came here in 2016. Callie was in first grade. And uh, Amanda, you come on up here. And uh, as her mom and dad, we we pray for her. I'm silly. This is silly. These, 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 These steps, they can be intimidating. My dad pastors a smaller church in Toledo. And there were times growing up, she'd grab my hand or an invitation. She said, Dad, can we go pray? Some of the most precious times. I said, yeah. Now, now time out. The reason she did that is because she saw me go down there many times. And she wanted to see what was going on. She's a little busybody like that. She said, Dad, can we go pray? I'm not trying to embarrass her. Since we come to this church, she's never grabbed my hand and said, Dad, can we come pray? 
She's intimidated by this place up here. She is. And I know many of you are. I know you are. So we're going to break down some of those barriers tonight. There's nothing, nothing intimidating at all about this. These are just uh, beautifully crafted steps with carpet on top. But it's a special place where we've designated, and we're going to speak to the Lord. We came, and when we came here, we found that there were people that, that came alongside us to love our daughter and to encourage her. So help me out. You're not going to like me. When I call your name, I want you just to come up here and stand. You're not gonna, you don't stand on the step. Just stand around here in this general area. She was in first grade. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the Sunday school teachers. We sat down and made a list today. Michelle Gizmondi, come on up here. So many people are sick. Some are serving in the nursery. I know that. Michelle Gizmondi, come on up here, please. Come on up here, please. Michelle Gizmondi, please, I beg of you. Help me out. <laughs> Debbie Searson, if she's in here. Mary Brady, come on down here, please. Please help me out. Help me out. Keely Shiloh, come on down here. Leslie Varwig, Irina Kuznetsov, Tim and Tony Hanrahan, come on down here. Are they? Tony's here. Come on, Tony. Todd and Julia Lapp, come on down here. Jimmy and Lauren Carter, everybody's getting nervous now. People, lock the doors, Adrian. <laughs> this isn't about them. They, they just faithfully serve. I, I, want you to, I want you to get this. Don't, don't miss this. I want you to get this. Folks, help me out. Many people are sick, I know. I'm, I'm, I don't want to miss anybody. John and Amber Farley, if you're here, come on down here. With Sam and Megan, come on down here. This represents the, the Sunday school department of people. Just, you don't have to line up, just, just kind of stand around here. This represents the people that have, that have loved and, and have, have come alongside of us and they've labored with us to love our daughter and the teacher and the things of the Lord. Then we had Glory Stars, Jerry and Allison Chitsey. Come on down here. They did, they did Bible Club. Man, Callie's pretty competitive. Move a little bit closer over here. Callie's pretty competitive. She loved, she loved those, those Bible, uh, uh, Bible uh, challenges. Bree Nero, Marisa, uh, Marissa Corley, Krista Johnson, Debbie Miller. Who is it? Kirstie, Kirstie Harness. Come on down here. Come on down here. We're calling your names. Come on down. I need your help with this. Just gather around. Everybody gather around a little bit closer here. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Pam, Pam Brown taught all four of my kids piano. Now two of my girls are teaching me piano. Savannah, come on up here. Her older sister, come on up here. Then, then we, we enrolled in Heritage Christian School. And as if this wasn't enough, God, God gave us a whole other team of people that serve and come alongside us to, to love our daughter and to teach her the things of the Lord. Debbie Sepleta, please don't, don't, don't hate me, Debbie. Come down here, please. <laughs> Mr. Brown, Tina Mallory, Stephen Jaggard, Doug Hoffman. I, I know many people are sick, and, and I, I get that. Uh, Christina Primo, come on down here if you're here. Sarah Beck, Ron Van Kirk, Caitlin Brady. She has people that she serves on bus with. Uh, uh, Melinda Sorenci, Kyle Grimm, Brother, Brother Jones drives her bus. Carmen Dillon, uh, come down here and help her. Then, then she has a, a, a junior church uh, a preacher, Brother Dustin. Brother Dustin, come on down here. I, I want you to see this. Oh, this warms my heart. That there are people that sacrifice their time. There are people that have, that have no doubt, have whispered my daughter's name in prayer. So what's the big deal? Callie, these are, I'm not single her out, but she's not wayward in any way. As far as I know, she's right with the Lord. You better be. Callie, these are... Visual reminders that God has put into your life. 
to love him with all your heart. Listen, you may go into a world that tries to tell you otherwise, and no doubt you will. I don't know what God has for you. You may go to a secular college one day, and you're going to listen to professors, people that have not labored and have not loved you like these people here. They're going to tell you there's no God. They're going to tell you you're a fool. You may even go to a, 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 well, a well-meaning Bible school, and they may teach you some different doctrines. They, they may frustrate the grace of God. Callie, these people have loved you, and they've prayed for you, and they've labored with you. See, you can take your kid and put your kid right here, and we could call up many others. I, folks, I don't have time. I don't have time to pull all the VBS workers over the years that invested in her. I don't have time to pull all the, the chaperones that have helped in every activity. Listen, we are people of faith. Amen. To live any other way goes against our nature. Now to us, stay. To us, we're people of faith. David, by his own admission, said, I have occasioned, I have occasioned, I have caused this. He said, well, is it, is it a big deal to be faithful? Yeah, it's a big deal to be faithful because we're people of faith. Is it a big deal to have a private devotion life that's, that's so much more than just in these hallways? Yes, it's a big deal because we're people of faith. We live by faith. It's a big deal. Is it a big deal when I cheat the man or I cheat the system or I advantage someone or lie or do something? Yes, it's a big deal because we're people of faith. To live any other way goes against our nature. Thank you, folks, so much. Please don't be mad at me. God bless you all. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We love you all very much. Thank you. Have a seat. Would you stand with us? Your head's bowed.